This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. If you would, turn with me to Matthew 7. And I uh, told you this morning we were going to uh, talk about kingdom law. We've been talking a lot about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Those, I would say, are synonymous uh, uh, terms um, referring to the same thing. Um, so, when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, He's, he's, he's talking about um, that realm in which God uh, rules and reigns. And... Uh, more specifically, the church among God's people. So we're talking about children of kingdom heirs, children of, of God. We've talked about our attitude, our disposition, our conduct in this world. And, and uh, this morning talked about uh, the, uh, the power behind that. In other words, everything that Jesus is describing here as being characteristic of the, the uh, children of the kingdom is due to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's due to the work of God in us. God um, births us into the kingdom. That is, He, he, he gives us life in regeneration, uh, generates us, so to speak. You know, I, because of that word, I think a lot of the analogy of a, a generator. You know, you, you when our power goes out, I've got a generator I can crank up, and and uh, there's power again. You know, once you get that thing fired up, which as long as it cooperates, once you get the thing fired up, you've got power again. So that's what the Lord does with us. He he infuses um, power into us so that we can do His will. And and apart from that, it's it's not going to be done. Nothing we do is is, uh, is truly right or pleasing in His sight. So, I said again this morning, um, when you have a kingdom, you have law. Because it seemed like to me the opposite of that would be anarchy. As a matter of fact, we're seeing a lot of that going on around the world. Um, nations... Uh, in, uh, in all, well, maybe not anarchy, but I mean, they're not far from it. Uh, there, there's a lot of chaos because governments are falling and, uh, it's, everything's kind of up in the air. <laughs> I've, I've heard, uh, some, some comparisons, for example, to, uh, in, like, let's, let's say like with Egypt, to the, uh, to the American Revolution, and I heard a great response to that by one, one man on the radio was, uh, saying that it's, it's, it's not like it at all because in the American Revolution, um, they, they laid out exactly what their intentions were. They even put it in writing and they even signed their names to it. And everybody in the world knew uh, what was going on, who was involved. And uh, it's, we look at places like Egypt and, and Libya and we wonder, you know, Who's in power or who will be in power? It's almost, um, or at least could be, on the verge of anarchy. But in a, in a uh, kingdom, especially the Lord's kingdom, peaceful kingdom, 
um, where righteousness reigns, you, you, you have order, right? There's somebody definitely in charge, and it's, it's the Lord. Now, what about kingdom law? Well, let me, let me say this. There's a lot of, uh, of different ideas out there about the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, just for example, I, I have heard some, uh, had a friend years ago who uh, had started out in, in kind of a, a, a legalistic bent. And, and when he began to see the, uh, you know, the fallacy of that and, and the Lord through, through the study of Scripture and all the Lord changing his mind on those things, he, he began to look at the Sermon on the Mount as the replacement for the Old Testament law. So in other words, it's, it's the new law. Under the Old Covenant, you had the Mosaic Law. Now under the New Covenant, you've got uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which gives us a law to live by. Well, um, and, and some people take that to some you know pretty uh, strict extremes. And again, it just kind of falls back into the same old thing because you, you can't keep the Old Testament law and I guarantee you, you cannot perfectly keep the New Testament law if that were it, the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, Jesus is showing us in the Sermon on the Mount um, the real meaning uh, or the fulfilling of the Old Testament law. So, I mean, he, he, that law that we already could not keep, he, he just takes it to a higher level, so to speak, uh, by revealing to us the intent and the spirit of it. Um, so, in the flesh, then, it would become even tougher. I mean, I, I can, I cannot murder, you know, if we just, if we just strictly take the letter of the law, thou shalt not murder, I can, I cannot do that. But when Jesus takes it deeper and says, now, don't even hate a man without a cause. Well, see, that's, that, that gets tougher. You know, when, when you start talking about motives, and um, uh, feelings toward people. Uh, and it's one thing to stop yourself from doing the act. It's another thing to stop yourself from feeling a certain way. So, if, if, if that were the way to view it, then the law's gotten tougher and we're still <laughs> helpless to keep it. Okay? And then there are some in the dispensational camps that uh, say, well, you know, this doesn't apply to the Christian life at all. This is law for the millennial kingdom. And this is the way that it will be uh, when Christ returns and sets up uh, His kingdom on earth. And I, I think that's a fallacy as well. So let me get to uh, verse 12 here and explain what I was referring to this morning. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. In other words, this is the fulfilling of it. This is the this is the fullness of it. This this sums it up. Everything that the Lord has has commanded in the law and the prophets is summed up or fulfilled in this. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. What we call the golden rule. In other words, uh, another way to, to uh, say it would be this. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18 
love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Jesus is asked in one place um, what the greatest commandment is, meaning the one that takes priority over all the others. And interestingly, you know, because we, we tend to think, um, I'm not exactly sure about the Jewish mindset at that time in regard to this, but I know we tend to think about the Ten, right? The Ten Commandments. And there are actually something like 613 commandments in, <clears throat> in the Old Testament. I didn't count them, but I've heard that said, and I'm, I'm assuming it's right. <laughs> so, if it's off one or two, you know, don't, don't be too hard on me. Um, but we usually think of the ten. And Jesus says, this is the first and greatest in commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second, that is the second as far as priority, Jesus says, is like unto it. And on the second, He doesn't quote one of the ten. He quotes Leviticus 19.18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And again, he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And this, this sums it up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. In other words, with all your being, with everything in you, love God. Um, have feelings? Yes. Have the right uh, thinking? Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with everything. Love Him. And then secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the fulfillment of the law. Now, Jesus here in uh, Matthew seven twelve only mentions uh, really in, in a different different wording in a different way, but he's but it's essentially the same thing that Leviticus nineteen uh, eighteen says, love your neighbor as yourself. But here it's worded this way: whatever you do, uh, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Again, saying this sums it up. Now here he doesn't mention the first commandment: love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not because it's not important, but probably because. Uh, you're not going to do this one unless you do the first one. I mean, in other words, it's implied. He's not really leaving it out. You will not do what Jesus is saying here. You will not love your neighbor as yourself, or in this case, do to them what you would want done to you unless you love God. So what I'm suggesting is this. We, we have a law, and I, I think that this may be what, uh, what James is actually referring to. Now hold your place here and go with me uh, over to James chapter 2. There, there is a law, so to speak, that governs our conduct, that is the conduct of believers, the children of the kingdom, and uh, hence kingdom law. In fact, let me, let me start in verse 1 here just to kind of get the whole um, idea of what James is saying here. James chapter 2, verse 1. 
My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come, come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand there, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Okay, so again, look at verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scriptures, and then James quotes Leviticus 19.18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he's saying this is, this is the royal law according to the Scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if, James says if you, if you do this, if you really fulfill it, you do well. And in the scenario that he's just laid out, he's suggesting that it will eliminate, if you do this, fulfill the royal law, it will eliminate this kind of partiality, this kind of uh, bad treatment of some. Why? Because you, you, you love your neighbors yourself. You treat them the way you want to be treated. In verse 8, the, the term, the word royal there, comes from the same root word as the word kingdom. In fact, um, back in verse 5, uh, James 2.5, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? Um, those are related words, kingdom and, and then royal. Uh, and that's why I use the phrase kingdom law. James says, if you fulfill the royal law, you do well. And that is, love your neighbor as yourself. Or, as Jesus says here in Matthew 12, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. This, this is how, um, this, this law is to govern our thinking and our conduct. So, for example, um, when it comes to judging, you go back to verse 1, Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So you, you treat others the way you desire to be treated. Now, let me say this too, because this, this, there are some, um, 
similar uh, laws, principles throughout history. I'm just going to mention a couple of them and because I want to, I want to point out a distinction here. Um, a, a rabbi, this was a, a Jewish uh, rabbinic school, Hillel, um, used, the, used the negative form of this. And, and this, is what, this is what was common. In other words, it would be put this way. Um, don't do to others what you don't want done to you. So, so think of something that, that you wouldn't appreciate. I mean, you don't want to be robbed at gunpoint. Then uh, this rabbinic school would say, then, then don't go out and rob others at gunpoint or, or anything you name. You know, you, you don't want somebody gossiping about you because it hurts, then don't gossip about others. And that's fine. I mean, that's, that's a good rule. And that is, that's, that's here. That's built in here. Um, Quote here from, from Tobit. Tobit is one of the apocryphal books, uh, not inspired, but, but an ancient text. Tobit 4.15, uh, Tobit 4.15 says, Do that to no man which thou hatest. Do that to no man which thou hatest. So you see it's in the negative form again. In other words, if, if, if you don't want to be hurt, or should say it this way, what, whatever would hurt you, don't do that to somebody else. Do that to no man which thou hatest. Now, Confucius, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but uh, uh, did the same thing. It was a similar, uh, a very similar uh, quote, uh, very similar to the golden rule, but again, in the negative form. Also, uh, Hammurabi was uh, ancient uh, king of uh, Babylon. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they actually have the, the Hammurabi, uh, at least portions of the Hammurabi Code. Again, speaking of law and order, Babylon uh, had it very ordered. And, and they had it written, you know, laws written. And we have, uh, I say we, I don't, but in some museum somewhere, you know, they, they have remnants of that today, Hammurabi's Code. And one of them is, again, very similar to what we know of is the golden rule here in Matthew 7:12, and this precedes Jesus uh, uh, precedes the first century by several hundred years. But again, it takes on the negative form. So again, it's, it's basically the same as what I just read to you in Tobit. Whatever you hate, don't do that to somebody else. That's a good good rule, isn't it? Again, you don't like somebody talking about you, don't talk about them. You don't like somebody robbing you, don't rob them. You don't like somebody talking about your mother, don't talk about their mother. You know, whatever it is. Whatever it is you don't like, don't do that to them. Good rule. And apparently it's been around in uh, different cultures uh, for millennia now. But notice here, that Jesus doesn't put it in the negative, He puts it in the positive. Now, it, it certainly implies everything we were just saying. Love your neighbor as yourself would mean, right, that if, if something is hurtful to you, you don't do that to somebody else. So, so the negative form, uh, 
like uh, we just pointed out from Rabbi Hillel and Hammurabi and Confucius and all the different ones, the, the negative form is, is built into this. It's just that Jesus goes farther than that. <laughs> As, of course, He so often does. Look at it again, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you. See, it's, it's put positively. What you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying, this is love. This is loving your neighbor. Be merciful to them. Why? Because you want to receive mercy. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Now, um, it eliminates things like payback, you know, revenge, uh, doing unto others as they have done to you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not, again, that's not what he's saying. Uh, but again, it goes further than that. commanding us or moving us to take action and actually do something positive uh, that we would want done to us. So it's not just avoid doing to someone else what you don't want done to you. It's think about, here's here's the, the idea here, think about what you like. What is it that's pleasing to you? Do you like to be treated with respect? Dignity? Do you like to be loved? And what all does that entail? Do you like to be treated well? And Jesus says, do that to others. Just, just think about what you want men to do to you and do that to others. Now, it may not be the exact thing. In other words, um, I may wish, uh, <clears throat> I may wish, you know, that, uh, Brother Carl would go out and buy me some banana pudding bluebell or something like that. Well, so I say, well, you know what? I love banana pudding bluebell, so I'll go buy him some banana pudding bluebell. The problem is he may not like banana pudding bluebell. Maybe he likes uh, triple chocolate or something like that. <laughs> so what I would want to do then is go out and buy him some triple chocolate. Now, what I'm, so all I'm saying is, in a silly way, is Jesus is not saying don't consider at all their preferences. Again, it would be exactly what he is saying is, Consider them. In other words, you want to be treated well. Just put it more generally. You want to be treated well. Treat them well. You want someone thinking about you, honoring you, respecting you, serving you. Everybody likes to be served, right? You like to go to a restaurant and kick back and relax and have somebody wait on your hand and foot. Good. Jesus says then do that for others. Just what you want men to do for you, 
you do for them. Because this is, this is love. This is loving your neighbor as yourself. In fact, uh, this is loving others as Christ loved us, which we're also commanded to do. It's, it's the highest level of love. And again, 